You're listening to a 95 BFM podcast. As access to international travel from New Zealand reopens, conversations about human capital flight have become incredibly prevalent. More colloquially titled Brain Drain, human capital flight refers to white-collar workers leaving their home country for better work opportunities overseas. Conversations have recently touched on if New Zealand is receiving an adequate number of migrants to stop our workforce from suffering in the midst of white-collar workers leaving the country. To learn more, I first spoke to ex-James McFarland on why his party thinks that human capital flight is an issue and what needs to be done. Well, the loss of people and the inability or the slowness of actually bringing people to New Zealand uh, is, is having a double effect. So we're losing people and we're struggling to get people. And that, the result of that is obvious, right? We're getting staff shortages, workforce shortages across many sectors of uh, New Zealand. I think you could pretty much identify any sector in the country and they'll tell you about shortages. Certainly we see in the, uh, in the healthcare sector with nursing and doctors and so on. Uh, but also in the primary industries as well, in education. So it's, it's having a huge impact on the economy. And where do you think that this comes from? Well, the driving factor here in New Zealand uh, for those looking for uh, you know, greener pastures overseas, we've got our labour market conditions, we've got the economic situation. So the, the biggest thing there, the biggest driver would be the cost of living and inflation. So uh, you know, Kiwis are seeing prices just absolutely skyrocket. Uh, yes, because of the shortages, there's work opportunities here, but there's a lot of very good work opportunities offshore higher pay, um, the countless people talk to us about family members going to Australia and going to Europe, the UK, etc., uh, looking for those opportunities. So, you know, we're hearing that all the time. Uh, and despite the opportunities here, well, you know, costs are through the roof. And, you know, whether it's rent, whether it's just at the, at the supermarket, um, there's people have been locked up for a couple of years. And uh, now's, now's the time, right? The floodgates have opened. Pretty much all the places that you mm. mentioned, the UK, the US, mm. Australia... Europe, they're all also dealing with major fuel crises, major cost of living crises and crises and inflation. How is it different in New Zealand to these other places? Yeah, well, with most of those examples, New Zealand started worse off in a worse situation anyway. So, um, you know, those that have lived in the UK, for instance, uh, will point out that actually, you know, the supermarket, it's always been a lot cheaper over there. And, and yes, they've had inflation as well um, because they've actually had very similar responses to COVID as we have. Uh, similar in terms of the, uh, I don't want to simplify it to printing money, but um, you know that sort of reaction, uh, that sort of monetary policy to actually combat COVID and, and try to control the economy, uh, we, we've now created a situation where inflation's out of control. So yes, other countries have got inflation as well. Uh, we're still worse off. Um, that's always been there, um, but now the opportunities overseas are, are, you know, the borders have been opened. Now's the opportunity for a lot of people, and I do get it. You know, I've lived overseas when I was younger. Uh, I, I do get the desire to go overseas and explore the world, especially after you know having been locked up. Um, but um, to have that all at once, and you know, combine that with our immigration policy, which has just been an absolute disaster, uh, that's what we're seeing now: just total loss of people. Yeah, I'd like to learn more about how you guys think about the immigration policy because I've seen a lot of people mm. talking about perhaps if it was just easier from anyone from any background to come into New Zealand, then surely we would be able to see those sorts of high-skilled workers and low-skilled workers who are valuable despite the name come into New Zealand easily. What is stopping them from doing that right now in X view? Yeah, well, I, 
I guess I'd start by saying uh, the distinction between high-skilled and low-skilled. Um, I, I try to look past that because everybody's skilled to some degree and they you know, they have skills and abilities that you know, others don't have and that sort of thing and they fill gaps. So uh, everybody's equally important. Um, obviously, there's uh, a desire from the government for high-skilled workers, but I, what that's resulted in uh, is an immigration system that is very slow, uh, very bogged down. Yes, they've made technological advance, advancements recently. They've put more things online and that sort of thing. Uh, but but actually, that's had a whole lot of um, stuff ups as well. So, like with the new accredited employer work visa system, uh, the online system uh, crashed in recent weeks. <laughs> We're no longer working, so they had to resort to allocating people manually, which is why they've only uh, approved like you know less than ten visas in the month. Um, so this is it's just totally unacceptable to have a system like that to go from a sort of a bad situation and they try and approve it and actually get that. So it's that it's that kind of immigration New Zealand operating as a as a police force um, trying to keep people out rather than a recruitment agency actually going, you know what, we need people of, of a whole variety of skills um, and, you know, sure we can control that with policy but we've actually got to be welcoming in the first place. And how could that be balanced with the nature of people leaving New Zealand? Because as you said, you've left the country before and come back people are going to want to explore and yeah that does act as a good promotion almost for new zealand how do you think that we could implement that more and use new zealanders leaving the country to out to benefit well i think it is good to keep in mind the net migration figure so you know we are negative and we, we are losing more than we're gaining and it is good to keep that in mind. Uh, in terms of replacement, well, there's, there's different visa types that attract different skill levels and that sort of thing. But again, it's really hard to get visas. It's, it's really slow to get it, and you've got to sort out all sorts of things before you come here, including the job. And uh, you know, now it has to be an accredited employer. If you're really lucky to be on what they, what they call a green list, which is the new residency scheme, then uh, you can you can try and get in through that. But it's a very bureaucratic process. Um, in terms of uh, those. You know, at the end of the day, the, the, the I guess the vacancies, the shortages, you know, they will be obvious. Um, they will be advertised and it, they will attract certain types of people. So people will, will be looking for opportunities and, and fill them. So it, it's pretty hard to sort of say, oh, you know, X, the X type of people are leaving, therefore we need to replace them exactly. But um, it can more or less be worked out. Do you think that this is a new issue? Because New Zealand has been talking about brain drain over the last 30 years, specifically those yeah. words. That's the thing. It's been going on mm-hmm. for so long amongst many different governments. Is there yeah. really anything different that our current Labour government is doing other than just having happened to be in a government during a major pandemic? Mm-hmm. You're right. It was. Uh, this has been spoken about before and, and it has been an issue. In recent times, it's improved. We've had good migration flows, and you know the economy in New Zealand did pretty well after the GFC. We recovered, um, but now we're in a situation where you know, look, we've had nothing like this before. We've had the borders shut for so long. People have been unable to leave, really, um, and you know, in the sense that it would be almost impossible to get back. So why would you leave? So we've had all of that in place, and and then of course you combine that with this closed border and the immigration issues. Which have spiralled as well. So it's like a, it's it's the brain drain that we've talked about previously, but this one is much worse. Act has talked about this in the sense of the economic issues that New Zealand is going through right now. Again, Act did mention in the version of the 2022 budget about cutting out several things, such as many 
initiatives that the government has taken to make sure that people have jobs, like jobs for nature scheme and film subsidies, things like that, that do cost the government money, but they could also help us bring other workers into this country and giving them better infrastructure to get jobs here. Even if that does add on to taxes, is that really worth cutting out if that gives people entering New Zealand way better infrastructure to thrive in this country? Well, I think with Jobs for Nature and, and, and similar programs, so programs of that ilk where you look at the total costs and you look at the amount of people that have actually been employed by it, and it's it's actually pretty astronomical, some of them, and you just think that that's crazy. You know, Why would it cost X hundred thousand dollars per person to give them a job that pays nothing like that? So the, the schemes by design are actually quite wasteful. Uh, and there's also the argument that, well, if if a job is not naturally created through companies just doing business and Kiwis doing business with each other, if, if the government has to sort of intervene and create these things, uh, are they actually needed in the first place? Uh, or are companies kind of taking a bit of an easy route here and, and using taxpayers' money to create these jobs when they could have probably done it themselves anyway and done it through the private, private market? And... I do think that there's been a lot of conversations over the past few months, few years really, about how nice of an environment it might be for New Zealanders to enter this country, especially if they are a part of oppressed groups, if they are people of colour, if they are queer. Sometimes it can be really difficult for them to be able to thrive in this country just because of prejudices that people have but maybe don't talk about yet. ACT has talked about cutting out demographic ministries such as obviously this is on indigenous topics but the Ministry of Maori Development and things like that. that. Is there any way that we can have the balance of cutting out these groups that do help them whilst having issues of social prejudices oftentimes mm. baked into our national culture? Well, I think the first reaction is that New Zealand is a very progressive country and I've, I've encouraged everybody to treat people with respect as human beings. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of groupism, but the some of those agencies, I think you'd be surprised at how little they actually do. And it's obviously there's variations in there, but it's it, the the problem is between virtue signalling and actually having a ministry or a department that actually does produce good work and actually look after people. In a lot of cases, these these sort of quasi ministries that have been set up are actually unnecessary. Um, you know, they don't they don't really do things that aren't covered by other core ministries anyway. So you know. That was ex James McFarland chatting about human capital flight. In this popular discussion, the focus of human capital flight, or brain drain, has largely been on the negative impacts that New Zealanders leaving the country has. However, Kia New Zealand is organised around keeping these New Zealand expats connected to their home country. I had a chat to their Global Communications Director, Kelly Edison, about their network and the benefits of New Zealanders travelling abroad for themselves, for other countries, and for Aotearoa. She first provided me with a little more detail around her organisation. Kia is a not-for-profit organisation and it's part funded by the government and private partners. Um, so some of our funding comes from NZTE, MB and New Zealand Trade and Enterprise. And Kia was established 20 years ago, set up by Sir Stephen Tyndall and David Teeth, who recognised that for a country as small as New Zealand, our offshore network was actually really important and crucial to our success. So effectively what Kia does today is connect offshore Kiwi to each other and then back to New Zealand. So what reasons do Kiwis go overseas in your experiences? So I think New Zealand has always been a nation of explorers. 
Um, so we are a small country at the bottom of the world, for lack of a better term. Uh, so we are fully aware that, you know, that Kiwi do travel. There's a variety of reasons. Most often it's to gain international experience and skills. Um, so while there are a lot of opportunities in New Zealand, there are obviously also opportunities that New Zealand just can't provide because it is a small market, um, you know, and, and opportunities are limited. Also, I think if you're really looking in terms of a business growth, uh, you know, that the only path to growth really is to, once you've conquered the New Zealand market, is to then look at where else you can conquer. So we do see a lot of our, our community who move offshore to grow their business or to position themselves in markets where they're, they're looking to break into. How have they found the overseas experiences benefit them and their community? A lot of the people that CARE works with, or a lot of our community are Kiwi who have been offshore 10 years or more. Um, we know that around 50 to 60% of our community at any one time are looking at returning to New Zealand, whether it be in you know the near future or within kind of the next two to five to ten years. Um, the key things we see people coming home for are family and friends in the New Zealand lifestyle. Um, and what we really find really valuable about that community is they do have Offshore markets are in a really different position to New Zealand often, so those Kiwi are bringing back like incredible skills and insights and really adding value to the New Zealand economy when they come home. And we know from you know regular surveys we do with our community that even when they are living offshore, they're still really interested in staying connected to New Zealand, so they want to know what's going on. They want the opportunity to help Kiwi businesses. They often want the opportunity to invest in Kiwi businesses or startups. So kind of keeping that, community connected because that is so important because it's of so much value to New Zealand like these are people and CARES community is across 187 countries in the world so we really are talking about kind of Kiwi in every corner of the globe who you know really want really want to help New Zealand grow. In recent months we have seen more and more New Zealanders talk about and consider leaving New Zealand for other places and many people have kind of attributed this to the ongoing cost of living crisis and rates of inflation in New Zealand. Has this been a common theme in people who've recently been in touch with you guys? Um, no so we haven't seen it as much um I think it's important to realise that if you go back through media, we've been talking about a brain drain for the last 30 years. Um, you know, people going offshore is not new. And certainly with in Kia, we would never want to stop Kiwis from leaving and getting experience offshore. What, Like I said before, what we do find um, for people in New Zealand is, yes, they understand that it might be a little bit more expensive to live here. Um, but the draw card for them really is the New Zealand lifestyle and being close to friends and family. Interestingly, what we have found, um, you know, sort of anecdotally heard in a lot of our returners who have moved back to New Zealand recently, um, is that the cost of living in New Zealand isn't as high as they thought it was going to be or isn't as high as they'd kind of prepared themselves for. Um, and it does seem like the cost of living and obviously inflation is not just a New Zealand problem at the moment, you know, there's countries all around the world are grappling with those issues. Are these international travels greatly benefiting our relationships with other nations around the world? A hundred percent. So there is no greater brand ambassador for New Zealand than an offshore Kiwi. Um, recently, we just did a study that basically said one of what the results are still in market, so they're not conclusive, but sort of early um, results are showing that one of the biggest one of the most important things for offshore Kiwi is to actually positively uphold rep reputation of 
of New Zealand offshore and to encourage people to visit and travel to New Zealand. Um, so I think when we look at, at those Kiwis who are going off, I know in the past we've called it more of a boomerang effect than a brain drain. So yes, people go away, but they gain skills and knowledge and then they come back to New Zealand and they bring with them that skills and knowledge. And while they're away, they are selling New Zealand to the world, basically. Like there's there's no amount of PR dollars that can buy that kind of, you know, that positive publicity for New Zealand. We um, work with a guy who's just returned. He did six years overseas. Um, he was a head of craft beer for Heineken. So his job saw him travelling all over the world to, you know, different countries, different breweries. And he said it just really blows his mind that no matter where you go in the world, you know, he was obviously going to sell beer, which is a pretty popular topic to start with. But as soon as people heard of that thing, all they wanted to talk about was New Zealand. He was like, you can be in the most remote places and you run into people who have heard about New Zealand. He's like, it's on everyone's bucket list. And he's like, that comes from that huge diaspora of offshore Kiwi who are just constantly, you know, without even really realising that they're doing it, are just great PR agents for New Zealand. Do you think that there are ongoing issues about Kiwis completely leaving Aotearoa and never properly returning? Um, I think every country will always have a certain amount of people who leave. Certainly, like I said, we work with Kiwis that on average have been off, you know, a lot of our community on average has kind of been off shore 10 years or more. Um, and we do find that the majority of people come back sooner or later. Um, often we see for us the key drivers are children. People's kids get to school age and they, or, you know, young kids, school age kids, they want to come back to New Zealand for the education system or just kind of our, our balance within our education system of kind of sport, work, outdoor. And then the other thing we see that really drives people back is parents. So their parents start to, parents or families start to get elderly um, or, you know, start to get older and they realise that that time is that time is quite precious. Um, and certainly we see people, it's really interesting because there can be quite a disconnect with businesses in New Zealand who can sometimes be a little bit hesitant to hire returning Kiwi because they think, oh, you know, the, the job won't be as challenging for them as their, as their role offshore or, you know, we won't be able to pay them as much or, you know, those sorts of ideas. Whereas... What we hear from our community is actually they understand that it, that they'll be getting a different job upon returning to New Zealand, but they, you know, they want to come home for friends and family. They know that the salary might be a little bit lower, but they're okay with that. They're looking for a lot of our returning key. They're looking for more of a balance. That was Kelly Addison from Kia New Zealand on Human Capital Flight. That was a 95BFM podcast. Support 95BFM with a B-card. Go to 95BFM.com slash sign up.